0: Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. I'm still allowed to say that. That's the last time. That's it. There's an invitation to us as we begin this new year to dream together. And to dream not only with those that have gone before us, with those who will follow after us. I believe 2024 is our year to proactivate dreams of generations Because I believe we're in a season right now as a church, an unmistakable moment where the Lord is beginning to fulfill dreams of generations. And at the same time, it's not only something that is in fulfillment of the past, but it's an invitation for us right now to proactively pursue the things that God has said. And so this is the year to proactivate dreams of generations. And yes, I did coin the term proactivate. Don't look it up in the dictionary. It's proactive activation is the idea. So I'm going to unpack this morning what that means and what I believe the Lord is inviting us into uh, as we open up a new series today. And we take a look at our strategic focus for the year. All right, so over the season of Epiphany, which takes us from last week up until the beginning of Lent, we're going to be studying a series called Dreams of Generations in the book of Genesis. And we're going to be seeing how the purposes of God are the same in every generation, and yet each new generation has to dream again the dreams of God in their own time. And so we're going to start this morning in Genesis chapter 11. We're going to read a little bit of chapter 11 and then the beginning of chapter 12. And we're reading these two stories together, skipping a few verses in between, because there's an intent that the author has in telling these two stories one after the other, because it's an intentional contrast. So let's begin reading in Genesis 11, and the words will come up on the screen. With its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the whole face of the earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. And the Lord said, Come, let us go down. And there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Now we're going to skip to chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. So here we have this contrast between what I present to you as two dreams of glory. In chapter 11, you have Babel, which is the dream of going beyond every human limitation of achieving glory in fame and power By means of technology, by means of human ingenuity and management practices. And you think, well, God commanded Adam and Eve to multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it, right? Didn't he also repeat that command to Noah? And so you you might ask on a first reading, well, what, what was so wrong with what they were doing? And the answer is, is that they were out to make a name for themselves, to make an identity for themselves, to glorify themselves. They said, we will build a city for us. We will build a tower that reaches to the heavens. We will make a name for ourselves. We will glorify our own name. And so it's a dream of humanity winning its own glory. And, that, and then in chapter that rather than telling God his plans... He listens to God's voice. Instead of saying, come, let's build something amazing for ourselves and make a name for ourselves so that everyone knows who we are, God says to him, go. Leave your nation, your kindred, your household, every single thing that could reasonably give you comfort, security, and identity. Leave it. And I will give you a name. I will make your name great. And so Abram pursued not the glory of man, but the glory of God. And yet what you see is, because he was willing to listen to the voice of God and go when he told him to go and seek God's glory first, what you find in that passage is that God says, my own glory I will share with you. I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will protect you. I will cause you to multiply. And so you see this story of humanity in these two pathways, a path that we were intended to go on and a path that we chose to take for ourselves. And it's a story that's retold in the book of Romans in chapter 1 where Paul summarizes this, this whole trajectory of human sin, and he says, claiming to be wise, we became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. God made us for his glory and to glorify him by enjoying him forever. And when we exchange his glory for these Cheap counterfeits, we not only don't give him the glory that he deserves, but we don't get the thing of us, that thing that we are looking for in searching all those things, and yet it can only be found in glorifying him. And yet the story of Abram shows us that if we partner with him, and rather than building a city and a name for ourselves, we build him an altar with our lives with our achievements, we build a monument to his glory, what happens is he gets the glory, and at the same time, our dreams get fulfilled. It's the both and. It's a positive sum game, and yet what you see in Abram's story is the one thing that it takes is trust. The one thing that it takes is faith. And so this is the second Sunday of the season of Epiphany. And the season of Epiphany is the time in the church calendar that is dedicated historically to the glory of God. John 1 famously says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, if you haven't heard of Epiphany before, it's the season that comes between Christmas and Lent. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Even though it is far older than the celebration of Christmas, centuries older than Christmas, it's probably the most forgotten, least understood of all the seasons of the year, <laughs> at least in our stream of the church. And so just to give you a nutshell of what it is, that verse in John, if you think about it like this, Christmas is about the first half of that verse when the word became flesh. Epiphany is all about the second half of that verse, that he revealed the glory of God, full of grace and truth. And so I'm really feeling impressed on me that it's important for us more than ever this year to pay attention to the richness of there's it's usually been Advent and Lent, but there's there's these other things like Epiphany that that We're not as familiar with, and yet there's this richness to it. And I love the fact that the new year is the season of epiphany. And it's the season to remind us every year, right at the beginning, that we are made for the glory of God. That the thing we most deeply desire is the glory of God. And that Jesus is the glory of God in the flesh. And so of all the church seasons, Epiphany is the most Christological. It's the most centered on the the nature of the glory of God in Christ. And so I want this to be our beginning point for 2024. As we come together together to talk about vision. Can I be vulnerable with you guys for just a second? Is that thank you, okay. Some some of you weren't quite sure. <laughs> That's okay. Vision Sunday. It's not a thing that I've experienced outside of the Church of America. And quite honestly, the last few weeks, I've been feeling a ton of pressure and anxiety. Because, not that anyone has put it on me, but what I, feel, what, what I put on myself, if you will, is this pressure to have it all worked out. Have the year planned out. This is what it's going to be. Here's why you should be excited about it. Here's exactly how we're going to do it. And here's how much you need to donate. Right? And it was like every facet of time and circumstance was militating against me having the space to be able to actually get that kind of thinking done. (laughs) And honestly, I've not I've I've really not been my optimum self the last few weeks at home in the office, just, just in myself because I've had this, this, this anxiety about it. And I was walking to a cafe on January 2nd, and I was, I was going to sit there for a number of hours and try and get some long thinking time for this, and I'm freaking out inside, because I'm like, I've only got like three hours. How am I going to do this? So, and I'm going, and I feel like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Ian, I will provide the vision. <laughs> <laughs> and, man, such a weight lifted off me. You know when you, it's kind of like, oh, well, that's what I want to hear. So, you, you know, no, this was one of those things where it was like, I knew the Lord had spoken something into my heart. And I knew it because the anxiety went away, the fear went away. Now, I'm not saying I didn't experience any more over the next, <laughs> the next couple weeks, but I'm saying right in that moment, I felt, I felt, it's not on me. It's on him. And he will provide the vision. And so that was a little epiphany moment, a little epiphany moment for me. And I'm grateful for it because it changed my whole outlook at the very start. And so, look, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not telling you any of that. Please don't send me a card or an email, <laughs> all right? All right. <laughs> I love you guys, but I am not telling you that for any dose of sympathy. I'm telling you that. (laughs) And I'm not telling you because I'm not going to do the work. It's because it was a moment where God showed me something that I wasn't seeing. It was an epiphany, a light bulb moment to remind my heart to trust him. To trust him for this new year that it's, it's his church. It's his glory that's at stake. And he will have his plan by his means on his schedule. (laughs) And so our job is just to be faithful. Our job is to listen and follow, like Abram, to seek his glory with all our hearts. And as we do, we will find our own dreams fulfilled. And so I I just believe we need an epiphany of that altogether right now. And we need that really every single year. This epiphany that God's glory is the center, the beating heart of all creation to keep us every year from exchanging it for lesser glories. Counterfeit gods of success, of measurable outcomes, of achievement. Jesus is our vision. Jesus is our goal. He is our life. And so our, our, our target is more of him. Our target is more of his presence. And so Abram goes the opposite direction to Babel. He follows God, he simply trusts him, and then you read in verse 7 that that God actually appears to him. This is what, this is an epiphany, and and you may have heard in sermons past, um, another term for this is theophany. It's an appearance of God. Epiphany means the same thing. And so God shows up, and what does Abram do? He builds an altar to mark the moment. He does this a number of times. Every time he encounters God, he builds an altar. It's this monument to the moment of God's presence. And so, before we move into envisioning what this year might hold for us, I just believe it's important to start right now by marking what's gone before in 2023. And... Every time I do this at the top of a year, I'll be like, well, nothing really happened last year. And then I start to list it out. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. God, I, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. And so that, that happened to me again this year with, with this. And so just to share a few things, looking back on 2023, all right, to give God the glory. At the start of the year, we outlined three strategic focuses uh, being relationships, missions, and presence of God. And I just want to share a few things under those headings. So under relationships, we did a 12-week series on relationships. We started a young adults ministry and seeing community really build out of that. We started a men's ministry or or restarted a men's ministry that's been meeting monthly and had different events. And we grew our primetime ministry and bringing new life and friendship and community to, to, to many many of us. We had a growth of international, sorry, intergenerational events. Uh, we had a summer ball for couples during the summer. That was a lot of fun. There was a marriage ministry that started. We had 16 new small groups start. I put the challenge out at the start of year to, to, to do 12 once a month, one a month, and we did 16. So that's pretty cool. We invested in our family ministry with Miles Weatherford becoming our new full time kids ministry director. That's really exciting. And Miles is great and doing a great job. They're clapping here for you, Miles. Okay, so missions. We did a teaching series on Jonah called Family Vocation. We sent three teams internationally, which is the most that we've sent, I think, in about eight years, believe it or not. A team to Guatemala, which was a combined team across campuses, which was really cool. We sent a team to Battelle UK, Czech Republic. We had 11 guest speakers last year, and nine of them were missionaries, international missionaries representing a number of nations including India, Japan, Kenya, the UK, Cameroon and others that I'm probably forgetting. We gave away $335,000 last year, 23.6% of our total income as a church. And of that, 235,000 which is 16.5% overall was given to fund our global missions. And by the way, I'll I'll give a couple just high-level financial details, but we're going to be putting out a treasurer's video, which is a practice we have here just for, for transparency and so that you know what the Lord has done through your giving as well. So that watch your emails for that. We also took on support of four new missionaries last year and beginning their support this year. That's one local mission that was already in Guatemala. We also took a Christmas offering of... $11,135 to equip indigenous missionaries in India and Peru. Lastly, presence of God. We invested in our worship arts ministry by hiring Johnny and Leah Kilman. Leah was the director for the Christmas play on Christmas Eve, and and you just see a growth of that ministry, and and they're doing a fantastic job. We did three months together of pursuing spiritual disciplines, practicing the presence. We had prophetic training. We had prophetic ministry with Dwayne and Chris White. And not only that, so just, just in general terms, we continued the work of transition, preparing for the next season. So believe it or not, it's been 20 months now since senior leadership transition, and we completed this past year, the first full year of a new lead pastor. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we identified new staff positions for those who were retiring after many years of service, including bringing on Rachel Kreger, who's taking over Denise Horn's church admin role across campus. So Rachel is on board and doing a great job. And we celebrated Pastor Tony's retirement after 22 years of service. And Tony, well, I'll tell you more about Tony's continuing role. Our service attendance actually grew 18% over the last year and a half, which was surprising to me. Our giving increased to 1,200,400, sorry, 1,200,045, sorry, I can't say numbers today. 1.245. How about that? (laughs) That was actually $75,000 over budget. We also underspent $121,000 to the budget, which means all of that surplus is funneled into our uh, fund, our savings for growth and renovations. We invested $99,000 in the Mukunji campus with new sidewalks, a nursing mother's room, we demolished the old parsonage and put in a nice grass area. We put new air conditioning in the fellowship hall. We also invested in both campuses in better live stream equipment. So you're welcome, everyone online. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, not, that's without even mentioning, you know, like commitments for Christ, baptisms, marriages. So I could go on and on. There was a lot more. Can you just agree with me? that there's a lot to thank God for just in this past year. Right? (laughs) All right, so now I want to shift from looking backwards to looking around at our current state. Where do we find ourselves after all this? Where does this leave us now? And... The truth is, we find ourselves still in a season of deep transition in the church. And the reality is that means both great opportunities and very real threats. So on the one hand... I look at that picture, I look around us right now, and I see that we are very well poised to seize the opportunities that transition naturally brings. We have a, we have a large, gifted team of staff. We've got two debt-free buildings in, in prime locations, both 300000 for emergencies and 600000 for renovations and, and a growth fund. We've got a growing, multi-generational congregation, with lots of leaders and mature believers, and We've got healthy connections with other networks and stuff. And so we've got the gifts of the Spirit on full display. And so I say all that to say if you look around right now, we've got a lot in our hands. The Lord has put a lot in our hands. To whom much is given, much is required. You know, this, it's, it's not a normal situation to, to be in, in the church in America right now. And so what that tells me is the Lord is calling us to continue to be faithful stewards, to be generous givers, and spirit-led kingdom investors. And so transition provides this opportunity for innovation, for growth. But here's the other half of this coin, is that transition also comes at a cost. And so it's important to recognize that there is a cost to be paid because change is difficult. Change is always difficult. Even if it's a change that you signed up for, that you want, it is difficult. Some of you are nodding a little too hard at that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Jason Carvalho, the, the last service of last year, he, he one of the things he said is that the end is a beginning. But it also means that the beginning is an end. <laughs> and so the end of something brings loss. Whether it's the loss of a beloved leader that you looked to, that mentored you, that discipled you, that counseled you for new face of. The familiar, the warm, the things that you have known for many years, or the comfort in exchange for new and maybe somewhat unsettling styles and ways of doing things. Maybe it's the end of a beloved ministry in which you grew and thrived and saw the Lord move. Maybe it's the loss of a position of influence that you once had. And people no longer look to you for that input in the same way. And I repeat, even if you signed up for the changes, all of that is very difficult. All of that is a real loss. It doesn't matter if you were on board with it. It's still an ending. And an ending is painful. It just is. And so I, I just, I want to acknowledge that right now and say that it's important to recognize it. I don't know that maybe in an effort to be positive and move forward, maybe we haven't acknowledged that as much as we could have. But it's important to allow ourselves room for that and and even as we stay on board and follow God, it doesn't negate the fact that that was loss and that was painful. And it makes me think of Abram. You know, do you think he didn't feel a pain and a loss in leaving his nation, his kindred, his father's household? And he was 75 years old. Right? It's not typically... The time when, the stage of life where you set out on a whole new thing. <laughs> and yet it didn't stop him from obeying. It didn't stop And I think it's one reason why it's so important for us to stop and mark and celebrate the endings. We're, we, we've been doing a lot of retirement celebrations. We've got one next week. We had a couple last year. And it's important to stop and mark and celebrate, but as part of that to also acknowledge that there's a loss there. It is bittersweet. And so I just want to tell you, if you, if you, if you have felt that, if you are currently feeling that, it's okay. It's normal. It's to be expected. And if you feel it, it doesn't mean that you're just being negative and you're not on board and you're holding everything back. It just means that you loved something, right? It just means that you loved someone or something and that thing is coming to an end and there's a pain attached to that. Kind of like the pain that a parent might feel. I have not there yet. When, When a child graduates, it's the end of something, Yes, it's the beginning of this wonderful new season, but it is an end to something, right? And it's bittersweet. And so, as we look around us, we can acknowledge that we're still in this process of transition. Pastor Grubby did a great teaching in the summer for for our leaders on on what it looks like to manage transition prophetically within the church. And he was applying the work of, of Dr. William Bridges, which is in the business world, to the church. And he used this image of crossing a river and you picture on side A, or on your, your side A is where we've been. And side B is where we're going. And in between is this river. And some of us couldn't wait to leave side A and get to side B. And others of us were quite happy in side A and are a little bit suspicious of side B. <laughs> And so we should expect that this season will bring up a whole lot of emotions that we didn't expect to feel, and we don't even quite understand why we're feeling them. That's normal. And it's because we find ourselves now in that river, crossing over. And the thing about rivers is that they flow, right? And when you're trying to cross a river, what happens when you're trying to cross a flowing river? You experience... Resistance. You experience pressure, <laughs> tension. And so, this is a season where we should naturally expect pressure that's going to come up in life, in time and schedules, and also just resistance from the enemy to the new thing. And so, what do we need in the crossing the river stage. What is it that we need when we're navigating that river? We don't need just plans and visions. We actually need encouragement for one another. We need care for one another, which means a depth of relationship. We can't get by on the same level that we had over here. We need to act. We're in the boat together now. We're in this together, sink or swim. When you go through something like that, it tends to bind, bond you together because you need it to survive. But more than anything, we need faith. So I want—I want to. I haven't told this person that I'm going to do this, but I'm, I want to play you a prophetic word that was delivered here at McCungee by Phil Osborne on December 31st. We, we have it on video, and I really think that they're fitting. And I want everyone here—if you were here then—saw it, but Bethlehem did not have that opportunity. So I'd like to play that video.
1: God was speaking to me about the faithfulness of what we just experienced as a body over the past 10, 15 years in that this transition that's occurring right now has left us in a really good situation, you know? Um, We have no debt, you know, there's like, it's like there's so much opportunity right? But it was almost like a a challenge that God wants to bring to us now. It's like I've been faithful, the people who have labored have been faithful, and the word was faithfulness, but there is a new season of faith that is coming. We need to have more faith. We need an increase of faith because there is, I mean, this is a perfect word today in terms of risk. Like, we need to believe God for bigger things. We need to believe God for better things. We need to believe God for breakthrough. We need to believe God for to dream again. There's people here who haven't dreamed for a really long time because it's easy, right? Ah, well, we just come, we do our thing, right? But there are people who have had dreams and they've left them go because there wasn't a, a wineskin to hold the bigger dream, right? So now is the time to step into that place, to step into that dream. But it's gonna require a lot more faith than what we're exercising right now. So we can honor what has been built to net, till now and those who have built it till now, but it is time to have faith, to believe God for what is ahead. And there's so much of this transition that's happening. It's happening much transition that's occurring right now, and we need faith to believe God for bigger and better things. So I'm just going to pray for a release of faith right now, and for the gift of faith, that people would pick up dreams that they've left go of for years they've stopped, people of here have stopped praying for things. For years now, you just stopped praying about a specific thing that you were believing God for. It's time to pray again. So God, we just come to you right now. And I, Lord, I just pray right now for release of faith in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, where there's been dormancy in believing you for bigger things, I pray for a breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus. I pray our faith would be activated. I pray our prayer life would be activated. I pray that our hunger would be insatiable for the Word of God. Lord God, that the first thing we do when we wake up is not scroll through our stupid phones, that we would look to you, Lord God. We would seek your face, Lord God. We would seek your heart, Lord God. We would cry out to you, Lord God. Because, Lord, we need you. We need you. We need to believe God, you, Lord, for bigger things, Lord. Lord, I pray that there would be dreams again. Lord, I pray for those who dream. I pray, again, that dreams would be activated in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that those who haven't dreamed for a long time would begin to dream again. Those who put dreams down, that they would pick them up again in the name of Jesus Christ. We just thank you, Lord, for those who have gone before us, Lord, and what has been built. And we honor them, Lord God. But we believe, God, that you're calling us to bigger things, Lord. And I pray for the faith, God, that we need. God, to, to walk into the land that you have promised us, Lord God. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. So, I want to turn our attention now. And Phil gave that word on December 31st. And little did he know, in my journal, I went back and checked the date, on November 28th, I wrote The word that I believe the Lord dropped into my heart for this year, and it was proactivating dreams of generations. So an extremely fitting word for the season, I believe. And so I I, I just sense so strongly that now is our moment to go back to the dream for a new generation, to revitalize for a new season, a new moment in the life of this church, to seek the glory of God. And so... There's a particular dream that the Lord has given to this church over many years, which is the dream of becoming what I've referred to before as an apostolic training center. So I, I, I believe the Lord is beginning to activate that this year. And I want to turn our focus now to look ahead. So can, do you have 10 minutes? Can you hang with me for 10 minutes? Okay. What do I mean by an apostolic training center? Thank you. I've kind of got you, even if you were like, no, I got to go. But. <laughs> <laughs> if you really have to go, you can go and you can watch it later, but please stay. So what do we mean by an apostolic training center? It's we're drawing it from a number of different prophetic words that have been given over the church over at least 10 years that we become a place of training and equipping, an entrepreneurial incubator known more for whom we send than who we gather. And so we've had a lot of words about that, about that. The Lord taking us in a direction we have no frame of reference for. The most recently, Duane and Chris White prophesied a season of extreme favor, full of healing and artistry and beauty and generations working together of kingdom collaboration. So I just see all these signs pointing in the same way. And really, I believe it's, it's nothing different than what the Lord laid out as the vision for his church in Ephesians 4. Which is the giving, of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry that the whole body would be grown up into maturity. And so it's the saints to maturity. And so we're in a unique moment to seize the opportunity to re-strategize, to reorganize for this kind of future. And this is this is not you know, a one-year plan. This is a multi-year endeavor that I, oh, man. I've been so excited about this that I've kind of been like, okay, tone it down, Ian. Like, it's a little too much, right? <laughs> but I, man, if the Lord could do this in us, this is something that could impact a generation. It can impact our region, it could have an impact globally through our, our the people that we send out. And it's a dream that was given to the founding generation of this church. And I believe the Lord is saying that now is the moment to proactivate, to proactively act on what he said. So where do we start as we look ahead to the year to come? And there's, I want to outline three broad tactics that... You know, the elders and I and, and the staff have been looking at together, collaborating on to pursue for this year, and that I want to share with you. So, firstly, now is the time to redream the dream. Redream the dream. We can't, mute, we can't move into a future that's different from the past without a clear sense of direction. So, every one of us has to know what is our why as a church? Why do we do what we do? Who are we trying to reach? Who are we as a church? And those are the kinds of questions that are captured and answered as a result of several years of of seeking the Lord on this and and condensing it uh, into something I've called the NC4 Manifesto 2024. Thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) We'll have copies of that for you online at some point. Soon, But this is a a little document that I said it's been really the process of four years of seeking God, of asking him, looking back on who he's made us to be, what he's done in the past, and what we dream in him for the future. And so I want to share a few of the, the core statements of this manifesto. Our core conviction, the reason we do anything at all, is that true life is to know God in Christ. It's why we do what we do. It's why we seek him. It's why we share him. Because if people don't know Jesus, they are missing out on true life. And so we exist to three words, multiply mature disciples. That's simple. We exist to multiply mature disciples. And the way we do that, our method is by cultivating church communities of kingdom collaboration kind of churches where everyone is in the game. That's our heart. And our ethos, seven words to explain our ethos, and they're, they're flowery and poetic because it's me. Our ethos is family, we put relationship first. Proximity, we seek to make heaven touch earth. Fidelity, we follow Jesus and his word. Perennity, we embrace the timelessness of spirit and sacrament. They're perennial. Unity, we put everyone in the game. Hilarity, we live with cheerful audacity in the face of any circumstance. And conspiracy, we collaborate. With God's conspiracy in the world to overturn evil with good, we are co-collaborators in God's mission. And so, our dream for 2030 is to see four learners. There you go. So it's more than doubling our current size, but I think it's it's not just doubling. This is multiplication of effectiveness. Of, of reach through the people that we're sending out into the workplace, into the world, into neighborhoods and schools and professions as the kind of kingdom entrepreneurial thinkers that take everything, every resource that God's given them, and invest it to build something for His glory. And so, you're gonna be hearing this language popping up all over the place from our website our signage. Yes, we're going to get new signs and there'll be things out of here on there. And I think the clearer and clearer this becomes to all of us, the more it can begin to shape our priorities and our decisions. Imagine if every ministry in the church began to ask itself, how can we contribute to multiplying mature disciples? And how are we going to do that through the ethos that God has shaped this church with? So, firstly, redreaming the dream. Secondly, Restructuring for Innovation and Discipleship. As we redream the dream, we have to put in place the kind of people, the kind of programs and systems and processes that, that are best suited to bring that about. So, a few things to share with you. In terms of programs, we, we've invested in relationships in the past year. We're going to continue investing in that more this year, just like we have in the, the primetime ministry, in the young adults ministry, the men's and women's ministries. So I just see more meals, more affinity groups and, and outings, uh, God willing, more retreats, uh, men's retreats, women's retreats. May not be able to do it all this year, but what I want to say is we, we want to continue investing in our relationships because it's key as we're trying to cross this river together, all right? It's not just a good time, it's, it's for our survival, <laughs> He recently retired as our executive pastor and as an active elder, but he is continuing remotely as a part-time treasurer for the church while we are seeking a finance director that he can pass the baton to on that side. Pastor Bob will be retiring on March 1st, and so uh, as associate pastor primarily over care and we love bob and he has given decades also to this church and poured out his heart and his calendar for so many of us and so yeah we'll enjoy celebrating what you've what you've given to this church bob but we are going to deeply miss your ministry as well on that note however i am happy to announce we're going we were intending to install delena serrard As part of the pastoral team, and as many of you know, her calling and gifting is already well confirmed in her work as an intergenerational coordinator and with the prime time, and don't be afraid, prime timers, she will not be taken away from you. I would have a mutiny on my hands, um, but... Galena has been a it's an integral part of the family ministry team which really as i see it has been kind of the tip of the spear of what the lord's doing on a wider scale across the church. Because really all the things that I see us dreaming for in the church as a whole, we've seen happening in the family ministry, in our youth and kids and primetime and, and, and young adults. And so that brings me to Pastor Ellie. Anyone who's had any interactions with Ellie as she's been working here at the church, you know just her massive heart to disciple young people. But also just how incredibly effective she is in effective operations in administration. And so Ellie's role is going to be expanding in order to help bring all our various ministries into alignment and moving in the right direction uh, towards the dream. And so we brought Miles Weatherford onto staff as a full-time kids director, kids ministry director. And so what that enables Ellie to do, she's still gonna be overseeing the kids ministry, but it enables her to focus uh, more of her attention on Well, she's going to have a new title. She's going to be pastor, not of kids and youth, but pastor of youth and ministry integration, all right? And she'll work on aligning all of our different efforts, building effective systems, processes to fit the new season. So that's exciting. So youth, she's not going anywhere. They already know that, but I'm telling parents, Ellie's not going anywhere with our young people because they are knit into her heart thirdly and lastly now is the time to recapture a pioneering spirit so beyond redreaming and restructuring we need to recapture a pioneering entrepreneurial spirit and i think there's three ways we want to do that this year equipping strategizing creating what do i mean by equipping i mean leadership development All right we're outlining a formal leadership pipeline All right where Roles, responsibilities, and pathways between them are going to be aligned across the church. So we know. And there's, there's a way that we can know how to grow if you're called as a leader. Not only that, but spiritual growth across the board. We're developing a discipleship process, like an outlined discipleship process, so that no matter where you are, you're able to get a sense of what your maturity level is, and what are the next steps to continue growing? A lot of times we get stuck because we just don't know what to do next, right? And we don't have anyone to help us to say, here's what you should do next. So we're, we're outlining a discipleship process where we'll have a greater understanding of what are the next steps at each level of growth, right? Lastly, gifts training. So we, we've done... Prophetic training in the past. We we're going to do more prophetic training this year, small group training. I'm also going to run a, a homiletics class, which is you know, a class teaching how to preach and teach. Okay, so equipping. Secondly, strategizing. We're going to form a new, I want to call it a discovery team that's going to meet regularly to strategize. It's a strategy team that's going to meet and put flesh on the plan of moving the dream forward. So they're going to be setting goals, monitoring progress, and that's not just going to be staff. It's going to be a cross-section of different leaders, staff and, you know, non-staff throughout the church. And then lastly, creating. It's the last thing. Give you hope. Creating. All right, now, I think it's become increasingly clear that one of the things that really fits our vision and God has equipped us to do really well in this church, is the arts. And when I look at the arts and what they do, and I look at the Christmas play that happened, you know, Christmas Eve, and, and the community that was formed there, the kids that were mentored, and the gifts that came out of nowhere, seemingly, I just see so many aspects of exactly what we mean by becoming an apostolic training center are in microcosm in that little space of the creative arts. So what if we treated the arts at NC4 not just as an add-on to special services, but as, right, so we kind of recognized as elders, as we looked at the fivefold ministry, that we, we, we don't have a strong presence of evangelistic proclamation. We also don't have a strong presence of apostolic pioneering. And again, the arts are really the intersection of those two things in a really special and powerful way. So it it raises the question for me, what if we could produce performances and and artwork that displays the glory of God and the heart of Jesus in such a compelling way that it could become a bridging point between the church and and our communities? Not only in performances, but also, also in training opportunities. it could be like little altars to the glory of God. Because the arts have a power to reach us, to open up new ways of thinking, even when our minds are closed. They have a way of getting under our defenses and causing people to discover new potential pathways for their life and open them up to the presence of God. And so I, I, I see us functioning in the arts in a way that will make people wish that the gospel were true, and then as they experience our community, they can discover that it is true. So, just to give you a a picture, imagine us doing a creative arts VBS, like, like a summer arts camp, that would invite neighborhood kids into the church, they could get trained, and at the end of it, they put on a show. And families come together, generations come together. What if our Good Friday experience, what if our Christmas production were open to the public and even maybe taken out to the public in other venues? All right, what if, what if we could become a church known for the arts? So this year, we're going to explore what it would look like to make a fully-fledged arts ministry, and I want to call it the collaboratory. (laughs) And it's a space to innovate for the sake of bridging the church and the community. All right, so, wow, you've been really patient and listening very well. Thank you so much. There's been a lot to cover today. It's not a usual. If you're here as a guest, our messages are usually slightly shorter, very slightly shorter. (laughs) But this is a dream of a generation that I, I just believe the Lord is inviting us into to activate proactively this year. Redreaming the dream, restructuring and recapturing a pioneering spirit. So I want to urge you this year to, to, as you begin this year, seek the Lord on God. What would you have me commit to this? What would you have me say goodbye to in order to make myself available to you in what you're doing? Not to me, to whatever the Lord has for you in this. Maybe you can ask him, Lord, give me an epiphany of the surpassing worth of your glory that I would invest my life as a kingdom entrepreneur and use everything at my disposal to follow you and build a monument to your glory with my life. So I'm going to end us here, and I really want us to sing Be Thou My Vision, but we don't really have time. But maybe we could bring up the words, and I'm just going to read it to you as a prayer. Do we have? Yeah, we do. Okay. Maybe just do the last verse, if you will. I just want to read this to you both. Maybe, maybe you, can, you can speak it. What's up? We can sing it? Maybe, maybe let's, let's just let Bethlehem go, at least. Um, um, High King of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision, O ruler of all. If you could go back to the first verse. And just, why don't you speak this with me? Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me save that thou art, thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence, my light, Lord Jesus. You are a vision this year. Would you give us each an epiphany of your glory that far surpasses any other glory and is the fulfillment of each and every one of our dreams, and Lord, would you? Enable us, empower us to pick up the dreams of generations past and to see them fulfilled. As you take us into your purposes for us, we pray. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.